once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over a many quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as if someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. "'Only this, and nothing more.' Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my books a surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore. For the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here, forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my own heart, I stood repeating, tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, this it is, and nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer, sir, said I, or madam, truly I forgive I your forgiveness implore. But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore? This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore, merely this, and nothing more. Back into my chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice, let me see then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obsessance made he, not a moment stopped or stayed he, but, with me nor Florida lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. So we open to a usual sad story from Poe about a man who has lost a dear loved one, possibly a fiancé or wife. He is seeking a little escapism in a good book, which I think is very relatable, especially on this show, right? But he is having a hard time soothing his broken heart. He's lost in thought when he hears the tapping sound and thinks it's coming from his chamber door. When he opens the door, he finds nothing but nighttime, and he's getting into the spooky kind of mental state that one gets into when you watch a scary movie or read a scary book or when you're home alone at night. He's tingling with tension, and every sound makes him jump. He finds the tapping is actually coming from his chamber window, which, or sorry, yeah, his window, which he opens to find a big raven who lets itself in and hovers on up to a bust or head and shoulders statue of Pallas, which is another name for Pallas Athena, Athena from Greek mythology. Now, when looking at baby names, the name Raven also means dark haired or wisdom. I know this because my middle name, Ray, spelled R A E, not R A Y, 
that's the boy version, guys, is a shortened form of the name Raven. The Raven is the story, or sorry, in the story, is resting on a bust of Athena, who is also the goddess of wisdom. In Norse mythology, the god Odin, the Allfather, had two ravens, whose name mean thought and either memory or mind, depending on the translation. I'm not even going to try and pronounce them because we all know my success at Old Norse words, right? <laughs> you guys know me by now. Odin gives them the gift of speech, and their job is to fly all over the world, our world, Midgard, and report the daily goings-on to Odin. So Poe is playing with a lot of mythological symbolism here to make this raven have or seem to have an almost supernatural intelligence. Fun fact, ravens, magpies, crows, and other members of the Corvus family are actually very intelligent, showing a tendency for problem-solving, collecting objects, and can even be taught to speak like parrots. And as such, Poe continues. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly, ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet has blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such a name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid boat, bust spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by so raptly, so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters is only stock and store, Caught from some unhappy master, whom unmerciful disaster Followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore, Till dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore, Of never, nevermore. So we see when the raven enters the house, he seems to take himself so seriously and sternly and acts so lordly that despite his depression, our narrator is definitely amused with this, this very surly kind of grumpy bird, right? He asked the bird his name, to which the raven said, nevermore. Needless to say, Poe's narrator thinks this is an odd name. Still, he's happy to have a new friend, though the recent loss of Lenore makes him cautious about getting attached to anyone or anything. When he voices concern that the raven will leave him too one day, the bird replied, nevermore. At this point, the narrator assumes what we all would, that this is probably a tame bird whose master was a deep pessimist and uh, who taught him only that one word, nevermore. But the raven still beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then, upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to th linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. 
This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing, to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er. But whose velvet violet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, she shall pass, ah, nevermore. Then methought the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, my God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh quaff, this kind nepenthe, and forget those lost, this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. So the, the narrator has kind of pulled his chair on up closer, gotten all cozy with the raven to try and analyze it a little more when his mind drifts to the days when Lenore used to sit on that very chair and thinking of her awakens his memories of her perfume, similar to how you swear you still hear your dog sigh and walk around the house in the days after they've passed away. This is a normal but difficult part of grieving and it causes a dramatic shift in our narrator's tone. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether temper, tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me, truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by the heaven that bends above us, by the God we both adore, tell the soul of sorrow laden within the distant Aden, it shall clasp the sainted handed man maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked up starting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave thy loneliness un leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door, quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming. And the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. The narrator grows enraged at the bird, asking it more and more specific questions, despite a few moments ago knowing that it likely only knew one word. We see him grow more and more frenzied, and it's hinted that he continues to hallucinate the presence of the raven for the rest of his life, however long or short that may be, because it does say a couple times that the raven never leaves him. Well, common ravens don't live that terribly long, I think like 10 years or so at best, so yeah, it's it's the fact that he goes on to see it for the rest of his life is kind of ominous. The narrator both wants to forget his pain and wants to marinate himself in it, and that conflict probably escalates his growing frustration. 
Poe also mentions the Balm of Gilead, a reference to the biblical book of Jeremiah. This balm was a resin used for medicinal purposes, meaning that the narrator knows he needs to heal after losing his love. He also mentions Aden, which is another word for the Garden of Eden, meaning he wants to be united with Lenore in heaven, hence his irritation when the raven responds with, nevermore. Also, continually calling the outside a Plutonian shore is a reference to Pluto, the god of death or the underworld. That's another name for Hades. Um, I can see, especially here, you know, kind of on the East Coast, when it gets cold in December, the trees have all lost their leaves, having outside be gray and bleak and rocky and, you know, missing all kind of green life and looking kind of like what one would envision as the underworld. So he does use the phrase Plutonian shore a lot. It's just referencing that outside in December is bleak and gray and looks like the underworld, which my husband would disagree with. He loves winter, but I think it's a pretty, uh, pretty perfect description to me at least. I'm more of an autumn girl. I love all those colors. The Raven is one of Poe's best-known works, and while it is in his usual gothic style, but like the man itself, it tends to be more tragic than horrific, despite coming to the forefront of our minds in October around Halloween time. Poe was born in Boston to actors David and Elizabeth Poe. Like most actors, David seemed to not want to take responsibility for his kids and abandoned his family in 1910 when Poe was less than two years old. His mother died the following year, and Poe would be taken in by John and Francis Allen, though never really adopted by them. Poe attended the University of Virginia, then dropped out due to a lack of funds. He and John Allen would have a falling out over Poe's educational and gambling debt. They would make up then when Allen's wife died, only to fall out again when he failed out as an officer cadet at West Point and declared that he wanted to become a starving artist forever. Poe did become the only American, or the first American author to provide for himself with just his writing work, but uh, it was a pretty lean life at the point at the time. Usually, an artist needed a supplemental, more steady form of income at the time, and Poe was the first one to be able to survive on just his earnings as a writer. In 1836, he married his then 13-year-old cousin, Virginia. It's funny because he also lived in Virginia. This guy is an issue for Virginia, man. Who passed away due to tuberculosis when she was 24. He followed her in death two years later under mysterious circumstances. His cause of death remains a mystery to this day, with possible causes being disease, alcoholism, substance abuse, and suicide. Basically anything but old age because he was only 40 at the time. The thing that makes the raven so spooky is that two years before his wife's death, he had already written this poem about the madness of grief that would overtake him when she died. Um, let's see, on YouTube, both James Earl Jones and Christopher Lee have versions where they're reading this poem aloud. Um, so if you want to hear it to its full effect, listen to their beautiful, powerful voices at work. It does this poem much more justice and service than my nasal, allergy-afflicted Midwestern accent. Both of them are pretty much known for their big, epic, booming, beautiful voices, and I'm not even going to pretend that I can compete with that, but you can find both 
um, doing readings of the Raven for free on YouTube and they're absolutely gorgeous. And once you know kind of what some of the older 1800s language means, it's, it's kind of fun to listen to the epic voice of Christopher Lee or James Earl Jones go through this very dark, very tragic tale that we've somehow spun into kind of the Halloween spooky season lore, despite being really much more of a tragic, tragic tale of lost love before he had even lost it. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you like the show, please like, subscribe, and pass it on to anyone you think would also enjoy the episode, and have a beautiful weekend.